This is a conversation that explores some of the big questions about how we might cultivate being still, what it means to pay attention, to listen intently, and to look to the natural world for the messages that are all around us, if we could but just slow down to receive them. Welcome to Positivity Strategist Podcast, and I'm Robin Stratton Burkessel, the host and creator of the show. And this is our season four, and our topic is an inquiry into appreciative embodying. I'm initiating conversations about how we might embody practices of appreciation and positivity from the wholeness of who we are. And when we do that, we're on the path to being more aligned and more in balance. My guest started out as a cable news reporter. For 25 years, she led a creative team in the Washington, D.C. area that won hundreds of awards for government television programming excellence. And she evolved (laughs) to become an archetypal consultant as well as a frequent speaker and facilitator of workshops on topics such as spirituality, creativity, and personal empowerment. Her first book has the enticing title, Walking the Grove, a Journal of a Sacred Encounter. Gail Kondrick, I'm hugely excited to welcome you to Positivity Strategist. Thank you, Robin. I'm delighted to be here and to talk with you in my evolved state. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you might have fun with that. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Um, And I'm excited because to speak because it's you, Gail, and uh, I know that you can share with us what you've learned and what you teach about the process and the benefits of being in alignment in body, mind, emotions, and spirit, and how embodiment is just one step in that alignment process. And before we go there, I like to start my conversations with an invitation. And that's an invitation for you to share a story about something or someone in your upbringing that may offer clues about who you are and what you do, or even perhaps it's who you are still becoming. So I'm wondering, Gail, putting you on the spot, (laughs) if you can point to a time where that sense emerged for you. Well, Robin, that's a, a wonderful uh, question. Allows me to to reflect a little on that, and and I would say uh, it's definitely uh, my mother. And I was an only child, and so I had a lot of time with her. And one of the things that she wanted for me was a life that she didn't have. And so, what that meant to her was that I would be allowed to pursue studies rather than to learn things like how to uh, clean a house and cook. (laughs) So so, um, she, she really encouraged me to do that with the goal of always being able to um, have the capability to make my own choices and decisions and frankly, to, to support myself so that I would be free to maneuver in the world. And when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, that was uh, an extraordinary gift. 
Yeah, so your mother was very evolved. Oh, yes, she was. Mm. Yes, she that's, was. That's wonderful when we can point to our parents for that. Yeah. Um, Gail, I wanted you to be a guest on this season because of its topic, the topic of appreciating embodying, because in addition to my experience of you, over lunch one day, <laughs> um, when I shared with you my concept for this new season, and I said to you that I was really looking at how I might have conversations with people about appreciative being, I invited you to say, what does that mean to you? And you took a deep breath, you closed your eyes, you thought, and you came back to me with, it sounds like it's embodying, embodiment. And I said, yes, I said yes to that. And so I am grateful to you for the name of this particular season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that conversation very, very well. Yeah. And you said one other thing, Gail, you said that embodying is essential for creativity. And I've wanted to ask you, what do you mean by that? Oh, yes. Well, this idea of embodiment, uh, we probably each have our own, own definitions for it, but I, I'll tell you the origin of it for me. And that is that uh, in my own life, uh, I discovered that um, while I may have developed my intellect, that I neglected the physical um, aspects of, of my development. I took care of my body. I dieted my body. I dressed my body. But I didn't really feel I was living in my body. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I wasn't living in my body until I had a movement experience um, of a dance experience that opened me up. And so as I moved on through that process, I realized that it was this connection of mind and body that brings me into alignment and is what I refer to as embodiment. So that we are so much more than just being smart. Mm. Or, or just being physical. We, it's this connection that creates a full human being and a full life experience. And that awareness for me really changed everything. It was uh, about 1998, last century. And it felt to me uh, physically and emotionally and spiritually like a real shift. Yeah, waking up to that, right? The wholeness of who we are, as I like mm -hmm. to refer to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talk a lot about mind and body and emotions and spirit. And ideally, we want to be working on all cylinders simultaneously. Mm. And yeah. even developing these skills so that they are unconsciously there for us. They are just there. They are, they are who we become. Mm. Uh, and we can draw on them. Yeah. And so, Gail, do you have times when you're thinking I'm um, where you sense a separation between those those aspects of you? You know, like I'm too much in my head. I'm um, I'm too much um, in my emotions. You know, that level of consciousness where you can recognize the distinctions and stop and say, "Hey, I need to shift this." Absolutely. 
And so what do you do? How do you help us understand how you might um, address some of those things? Well, I think that the, the best way to do it is to, is to work on each of them individually in terms of how you're going to know which of those realms, let's call them realms for the time being, that you're in. Am I meditating? Am I in the realm of spirit? What is the sensation? Do I leave my body? Am I in my body when I'm meditating? You know, for many people, meditation um, is not only relaxing and wonderful for the mind and the spirit, but it's also a leaving of the body. It's a leaving of what's going on. And if I can simultaneously leave and still feel I'm a physical being and come back into it, it's simply a different sensation. It's a different sensation. So as I learn to cultivate my meditation experience to reduce stress and to really make me feel connected to something more than myself, uh, I know what that feels like. And then if I am uh, participating in uh, something physical, it could be a walk, it could be uh, a dance class, it could be a yoga class, it could be a marathon, it could be any of these things. But if I feel I'm in my body and I know I'm grounded, then I can connect this mind and body. Mm -hmm. The emotions are always there for me, certainly always there. I, I know that there are people who um, from their own past may find it more comfortable to block their emotions. Opening up to emotions is, can be um, a dangerous <laughs> exploration for some people who've had trauma. Mm -hmm. But for those of us who uh, have found ways to either work through that or who have not experienced that, just this whole range of emotion is part of the beauty of being human. So once I understand what each one is like, then I can feel what they're like together. And it's not as if you reach some sort of plateau where you're work, walking around in this total alignment at all times. But for me, what it is, is not that. It's not that I've reached or I'm able to reach a, a certain sense of being that is always with me. It comes and goes. Minute by minute, it comes and goes. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that I recognize it. Mm -hmm. I know when I'm out of balance. And if I have a knowing and awareness and a consciousness, I am now out of balance. I can stop and take a breath and do what I need to do to bring myself back into balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to ask you that. But I, what, what you do to come back into balance. But I have a sense of what that might be from your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you might. <laughs> and, and so let's talk a little about the content of your book. And as I mentioned at the beginning, the book is entitled Walking the Grove, Journal of a Sacred Encounter. Um, and it seems that many of the processes and the practice of being in your body and aligning your thoughts and your emotions and your actions come through your own journaling. Yes. So and I'm walking. It's and walking, walking. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. Walking it's not running and, the grove, by no, the way. <laughs> walking the grove, right? So, what was the impetus to write the book? And secondly, 
what was your process for writing the book? The process for writing the book I'm going to answer first, and that is that uh, it is a transcription of a journal. And so I have a writing practice of journaling, which really appeals to me and enables me to um, get some of these things we're talking about out on paper, the emotions, and to also go back and see, well, boy, that day I was off balance, but today I've, I'm doing so much better, so that there, I understand that there are highs and lows in my life, and I have an affirmation of that from reading these journals. So the practice of journaling uh, as a daily practice or even as an occasional practice is very helpful, certainly helpful for me. I like to express myself in words. And that process of, um, of journaling came to me as a way to document what I was sensing, feeling, and observing when I was out for a morning walk. Mm -hmm. And I made a commitment to do these walks on a daily basis as much as I could, unless for some business reason I simply could not. And at some point in doing this, the walk and the journaling afterwards became much more important to me than attending a business meeting. I canceled things left and right mm -hmm. to make sure this happened. And then I would go about my day. And so the commitment to do it uh, actually um, came from an invitation I got, awakening from a dream. And in that liminal space between fully awake and dream time, I very clearly heard a voice that said, can you spend a month with God? Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. And the walks began. Mm -hmm. So you were seeking and you acted on your intuition and a calling. A calling and intuition mm -hmm. and trusting the intuition. Mm -hmm. I, have, um, I have learned to trust that intuition uh, to a point of making as many decisions, in fact, all of my decisions on an intuitive hit. And mm -hmm. if I don't get a strong intuitive hit, I conclude that either way is going to work. Mm. And so are you willing to develop or talk more about this um, being willing to spend a month with God? Who is God for you? And you may not wish to go there, and I was just curious. Well, that is what the journal is about. It's a day-by-day -day practice. Um, you know, for me, uh, God is something larger than myself, outside mm -hmm. of myself, that provides my uh, intuition, my creativity, and solace, and also um, directs my life on a soul level. I would not associate it with a... Um, a man in heaven with a white beard, etc. This is more of a sense of, of feeling part of a whole, um, recognizing that I live and we all live here for a purpose and that a lot of that purpose uh, is something that I need to step up to to fulfill and that I'm given all the tools that I need to make it happen. And that each of us is yeah. in our different ways. Yeah. And a sacred ways. Hmm. 
So when I started the book and the subtitle uh, of Walking the Grove is Journal of a Sacred Encounter, what happened for me is that I began to see everything as sacred. Mm -hmm. Every breath a prayer. Every breath. Every step on these mornings became special for me. And I began to look around at nature to receive inspiration, stories, uh, gifts, challenges, and insights. Yeah, that's very beautiful. Yes, it's just being, being in nature. Being in nature. I, and it is, um, it, it is not news that so many of us spend our, our times inside or um, connected, uh, social media connections. Uh, I don't mean family connections, but, but connected to technologies. Mm-hmm. And being outside um, can really allow someone to just take another breath. And you, you can't help but believe in a higher power or something larger than yourself when you look up at the sky or the clouds or the stars. Yes. And you hear the birds. And you hear the birds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I just want to offer you this and let me know how it lands on you. Okay. And that is, um, so walking the grove is literal for you, right? Yes. Um, and for me, it serves as a metaphor for how we can all pay attention to waking up to the gifts of being alive and again our wholeness and our interconnectedness to all things and that fullness of being alive. So um, I'd like you to respond, I mean, to that notion that it is a, um, you know, it, it is a metaphor for others to find their own way of walking the grove. Yes, it's definitely a metaphor. And uh, one of my hopes is that we all find our sacred grove wherever that may be. I describe mine, I describe my process in the book, uh, give you ideas on how that, um, how that could work for you. But your grove uh, may be in your cup of coffee in the morning as you just reflect on something in your life that brings you pleasure and is positive. Um, it could be a spot, a physical spot. It could be in nature. It, it could be walking downtown in a busy city and, and seeing the flower that comes up through the pavement. There's a thousand ways that you can find this metaphoric growth, uh, which is, a for me, a central place where it seems as if time slows, you slow, and everything becomes possible. Mm. Yeah. You're listening to Positivity Strategist Podcast, and I'm your host, Robin Stratton Burkessel. And this episode is positivitystrategist.com slash PS123. And my guest is Gail Kondrick. And Gail is sharing with us her experiences of embodiment practices, and particularly what she had discovered as she started to walk the grove and learn to pay attention to nature and to her own intuition. And she will continue 
with her story in just a little while. But before we go back to Gail, I wanted to pause and say thank you so much to everybody who has been emailing me, sharing sharing on social media and commenting on social media um, about how much this particular season on Appreciative Embodying is meaningful to them. And that means so much to me because it was a bit of a risk and I just am delighted with the, the comments that are coming through. So thank you, everybody. And I wanted to pay a particular thank you to a, a, a listener, somebody who's really enjoying the show, and that's Anna Griet Brada from the Netherlands. And I would like to play you the speak pipe message that Anna sent to me in expression of her appreciation. So thank you, Anna, and I hope everyone will enjoy listening to Anna's message. Good morning, Robin. This is Anna Gietbrader speaking from the Netherlands. And this is take number four. I realize how much work must have gone into creating this wonderful podcast. And thank you for sharing it with me. As an admirer of body, mind, embodiment, um, I find it wonderful how you are able to express so beautifully what works for you. Thank you for sharing and keep up the good work and stay on this wonderful path that you're taking. Looking forward to joining you and staying in contact. Anna, thanks again for taking the time to record your message on SpeakPipe. In fact, any of you can do that. You go to the homepage of the podcast, positivitystrategist.com slash podcast, and you see the SpeakPipe app there with a big red button. You hit record and you can ask me a question. You can make a comment. You can make some requests, and I'd be very happy to act on those. So one of the things that excites me very much is when I get this feedback is to really accept the global reach that this podcast has meaning it's attracting listeners from all over the world and also attracting people who wish to be guests on the show. So it's a, it's a wonderful experience for everybody here. So that being said, I'm very happy now to return to my guest this week and she is Gail Kondrick. Yes, you say that um, I think the invitation is, I mean, there's something about shifting our consciousness and being really attuned to and noticing what's there to be noticed and where we put our attention. So starting with like, and I'm quoting you here, like be still and listen. And in your case, nature offered itself up to you, revealing its mysteries and marvels um, and giving you spiritual solace and guidance for whatever journey or the journey that you embarked on. Um, so I'm just curious, did the journaling come? Because I think journaling itself is a practice of embodying. Yes, I would agree that journaling is a practice of embodying. There's several reasons for that. It's both mental and it's physical. I like mm -hmm. to yes. um, use uh, paper and pen. Uh, some people use a computer but it is physical. So it's mental and physical. And so it represents the embodiment and also gets out the emotions. Um, I was journaling the observations that I had uh, doing these walks and any insights that I might have um, on them. And my um, 
my belief is that uh, there's nothing special about me. Uh, that if I can make these kinds of connections, so can anyone else. Mm-hmm. And um, at, at one point I say in the book that if I had an alchemical recipe book to tell you how to do this, I would. But the reality is that's not the way it works. There isn't any four-step process to make this happen. It, what it takes is commitment and openness and a realization that there are going to be days when you think there is nothing and then you realize, oh, it was subtle or, oh, maybe there was nothing. Um, and so I'll go on about my life, but you still know uh, that it's possible. And, and that's part of why you asked me, why did I, read, why did I write this? Mm-hmm. Or why did I make it public? Because that's essentially what I did. It was my journal. I'm making it public. So um, putting my private thoughts out on paper and my private philosophy is really risky for me. Uh, I feel like I'm standing naked in the wind. Mm-hmm. And yet I thought it was important in that what I found, Robin, is that when I start to tell a story like this, just maybe one little story, that someone will say to me, you know, I've never told anyone, but. Mm-hmm. And then they will begin to talk about a, a mystical moment that they had, whether it was in nature or some awareness. And I think the more that we all speak about this, the more we realize it's real and that it's not limited to people who may be um, stars or uh, spiritual gurus. It's just not limited. It's available. And, and I think that's a really affirming concept that given the time and taking the time and checking in with yourself and learning to listen mm-hmm. and being as conscious as possible just changes your life completely from the way you react to the world around you, to how you respond to difficulties, to how you respond to joy, the whole gamut, that it's just an opening up, a complete opening. And so you're the hero of your book, right? Oh, I don't think so. (laughs) No, the Grove is the hero of the book. (laughs) Not me. I'm the documenter of of the hero. Ah, that's lovely. What happens in the Grove? There's the hero. (laughs) That's the hero. That's beautiful. I'm glad I I brought that up. Because where I was going with that is, um, where was I going with that? You gave me um, an answer that was a pattern interrupt. It was beautiful. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so the Grove's the hero, and what might be, what, is there like a moment, you know, we often have these pivotal moments when this insight, this awareness became, was revealed to you, like, you know, the meaning of walking the Grove, um, Maybe you've answered it, but I, I just have this sense about, you know, you're, you're walking and you have this like epiphany or something. Is there, was there, and there may have been a number of moments like this, but was there a particular time or maybe you have a few? Well, it, in truth, it's a slow build um, in, uh, of my realization. When I, the first day I went to the Grove, I, it, was, it was the courage to go out into the middle of a storm. A hurricane was coming to Florida. Water was coming over the seawall. I was on, I was watching this 
pending evacuations, and the, the whole Gulf of Mexico was in turmoil, and that's very unusual. Uh, it's usually a very a warm, feminine water, uh, soft water. And so when I, um, but I, but I felt I had to keep going back. And there was a day when I discovered um, a place, which I call the Grove, uh, that had a tree that I identified as the mother tree. And I believe that every woods or wooded area has a, a mother tree. It is a central tree. And actually, science tells us that that is also the case. Uh, so when I found this mother tree, it was warm and welcoming. And the non-athlete that you're talking to climbed up into it mm. <laughs> and rested in the arms of this mother tree. And when I did that, I was able to observe from a higher viewpoint, both physically, emotionally, and every other way, that there were things I wasn't seeing. They were around me all the time, and I was not seeing them. I suddenly noticed these birds, not only noticing, oh, isn't this a nice bird? Isn't this a nice heron that's here? But the behavioral patterns. Mm -hmm. I noticed, I listened to the sound. Things slowed down. I felt comforted. And every time I went back to the same spot, I felt that sense of comfort and opening. Hmm. That's such a beautiful image. So you're, you're embraced in this tree and you're seeing the world with new eyes. Yeah. And so here I am, a non-athlete and a non-hiker. I mean, I know that there are people who love to hike and they go out and they know exactly how to do it. Not me. I walked this place the same way I would walk any beach, barefoot in a forest. And let me tell you, there were mangrove roots that are about six inches long, sticking up like little spears mm -hmm. that uh, I had to slow down to traverse to get there. So I was forced to slow down. And I never in a million years thought that I would have a spiritual connection by wiping spider webs out of my hair and palmetto bugs that I turned out wearing almost like barrettes during oh, these walks. Wow. It, this is not me. <laughs> it is mm -hmm. definitely not me. But these things, finding these things in nature for me was a revelation, a mm -hmm. complete revelation, and also the way that I was reacting to it. So I felt that the grove, the walk, the experience was teaching me small step by small step by small step what it meant to embody sensations and to have a greater understanding of the world around me yeah. on a very small scale. Mm -hmm. But the lessons were big. Yeah. The lessons were very big. Yeah. Just paying attention to your reactions to some of those discomforts Yes. That's a learning in and of itself, right? Yes. And, and so, go ahead. No, just the being forced to slow down. You cannot walk barefoot in a mangrove forest maneuvering through roots and tides and rising waters without slowing down and becoming conscious. You just cannot do it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. And did it last longer than a month? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> Still does. <laughs> so yeah. it's habitual for you now. It is. Yes. Yeah. I, I go as often as I can. And yeah. I, uh, it has changed and shifted due to weather, climate, all sorts of reasons. But uh, what I document um, in the book is the way it was when I was mm, there. Yeah. So, Gail, what do you hope um, your readers will get from this book? Let's talk a little bit about your intention and then how people can access it. Well, I really hope that they're inspired to find their own version of a sacred grove, whether that is a, a metaphor um, that they walk with me in reading the book. If, they're, it's, if it's snowing and they're by a fire, that they read about heat in Florida and in, enjoy the fantasy of, of being in a different sort of place and that they find that metaphor of grove whether it's in observing going to an art gallery or many galleries and museums or being out in nature. And I really encourage being out in nature wherever you are as much as possible. We really have to fall in love with nature, I believe, to make the shifts we're going to need to save the planet. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just as simple as that. You know, mm -hmm. are we going, what are we going to do? And what are our children going to do and our grandchildren going to do? We, it's, it's one thing to like something, but when you're in love with something, you're ready to fight for it. Mm. If it's when you're in your body and you have that awareness of your body and the integration of mind, body, spirit, that's when global change is a reality for you. If you're disconnected from your body, I mean, I don't know the science of this, but if you're disconnected from it, it's not acute. You're not so sensitive or aware of it. I would agree completely with that. And mm -hmm. I would add in that fourth dimension of emotion. Mm -hmm. And and that is um, that is a lot of what I wrote about is the emotion of, of how do you feel about this, um, what about these experiences and... Uh, and nature itself and uh, falling in love is why it's just the way I want to put it. It's yeah. time to fall in love. So Gail, you can please let us know how we can access your book, maybe from your website. Or, and of course, we'll put links to the book and your website and your social media handles on our show notes page, which is positivitystrategist.com slash PS123, 123, that's episode 123. So people um, can access that or go to positivitystrategist.website podcast and they'll find the show notes for your episode and how they can connect with you. So, um, but if they're walking along right now and they're, they're actually out there walking, <laughs> then they might want to just kind of hear how they might connect with you. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, all of those links will be, as you say, uh, available. Also, if you would like to um, email me, I am very interested in collecting your stories of uh, how you connect with nature and what experiences you've had. And that would be my name, which is gailcondrick at gmail.com. That's the, that's the easiest way. And also the other social media outlets that that you've mentioned in my website. Uh, 
I think that the more of us who share our stories like this, uh, the more we're going to realize how connected we all are. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. And I am aware too that there's a training to accompany this. So perhaps you'd like to say something about that. Yes, I would. Um, when my I've been working on this with my publisher, which is uh, Purple Iris Press, and uh, as we're very early on, uh, she said, "You know, Gail, I as it, it reads as a journal, as as we've discussed." She said, "I really think that we want to take some of these um, life lessons that you're describing and create a course around them." So that the, the, the eventually, and eventually I think is going to come quite soon, <laughs> there mm-hmm. will be a course which will uh, reinforce and raise study questions. Uh, there will be a Zoom calls and uh, other connections with people in the course uh, to talk about these uh, issues that have come up and how they may address them personally or how they can uh, move deeper into their own awareness and and into some of the things that I've found through walking the grove. Mm, That's wonderful. And so by people keeping in touch, uh, accessing the website, social media, um, looking at our show notes, um, all of that will be revealed um, in good time. Yes. Yes, Um, it will. So we're trailblazing here. We are definitely. Thank you. (laughs) That's great. Um, Gail, is there anything else that you'd like to offer? Well, I would, uh, well, first I'd like to thank you for inviting me to talk about this and, um, and, and to really re- have everyone uh, reflect on as they go about their day-to-day, their own consciousness and where they lose it and, and where they're in alignment and, and what brings you on and off balance. I, I think that's a good first step. Uh, it's a step that I'm going to call it the first step, but it's a constant step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is constant. It doesn't matter how um, how evolved you might believe you are. Uh, there's always another level. There's always a deeper level to to go to, and um, just walk in the paths of the mystics, and you'll be just great. Yes, and there's so much more we could have addressed because. Gail is also a Carol May Sacred Contracts Consultant working with archetypes. She's also a member of the NIA International Training Faculty, so um, that's where the dance and movement comes in, and also a Veriditas Labyrinth Facilitator. So all of those things imply for me that it is all about the integration of the whole of us you know, from movement through to thinking, through to feeling and through to behaving. It's all there. So um, it's lovely when you can bring it all together. And I guess your experience, you know, your grove is one way that became clearer for you. So we have to find our own grove, as you say. Absolutely. I want you to find your own grove and to make it sacred. And that's part of it if you make it sacred. Yeah. Oh, I could go on so much more. Uh, Just another question popped into my head and it's about the meaning of context. I'm very focused on context. Mm. Um, Have you got like a few minutes to talk about 
or seconds to talk about the importance of context? Give me your definition, Robin, of context. Well, I think we need context to make meaning. And context is association with place, in relationships, with um, beliefs and philosophies that we may have. So, I mean, even if you study art, for example, it's only when, for my own story is, it's only when I had some appreciation of the um, the period that the artist was working in or the intention the artist had, that gave me a context to enhance my own appreciation of what the uh, what the expression or the, um, the work of art offered or the relationship offered? I would say that uh, finding the context in this case is through your own passions, whatever they might be, uh, or discovering a new one. If it is appreciating art and passionate to learn more about art, that's what you do. If it's appreciating the structure and architecture of a building, you're on that road. If it's moving outside into nature, which of course is my, it was my calling, uh, that's what you do. But it's in the um, in the appreciation, the learning of these things, and the deep desire to have a passion that fills you, that's above and beyond the everyday, that creates the context for embodiment. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. So that's how it ties into embodiment. Indeed. It's actually a transfer. It's almost, so it's linked to passion and transformation too. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Passion and transformation. If uh, Otherwise, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen in that we may start with good intentions, but unless we see results or we're passionate, there's something that has to keep us coming back. Mm-hmm. And even if the coming back is, I have to let it go for weeks, days, or even years. Great. That is such a great reminder. Yeah. (laughs) Because time doesn't often operate the way we want it to operate, right? The universe doesn't follow our clocks. So I think that's a wonderful reminder. That's fantastic. So, Gail, thanks for this opportunity today to um, share some insights with me. I wish you great success as you continue with all that you offer, and I'm looking forward to another lunch with you very soon. Me too. (laughs) Thank you, Robin. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. (laughs) Well, I really value that lovely conversation with Gail Kondrick, and I trust that you did too. And you can find out more on how to connect to Gail and all she's offering on positivitystrategist.com slash PS123. Now, if this show is helping you, energizing you, why not pay it forward and let others know about it? And they can listen to wherever they listen to their podcasts or and they can sign up on positivitystrategist.com slash podcast and then get notified each time a new show goes live. Now, here's just a little enticement about next week. It's something to get your juices flowing, especially if you're a chocolate lover. Be sure to listen to next week's show.